On this week's episode of the RAG podcast, I was joined by Lauren Hopkins. Lauren is the managing director of Grace Personnel. Grace are a small specialist uh, boutique recruitment firm headquartered in Maidenhead, and they recruit across the sector, sorry, across the geography of Maidenhead, they recruit um, multi-sector roles. Now, Lauren, uh, I brought her onto the show for a very specific reason. She is the managing director. She's running the show. She's got five staff. She's bringing them out of lockdown in, from furlough, and she's, she's got growth plans, etc. But Lauren is not your typical recruitment owner because she didn't start the business. She joined the business actually as a, uh, a graduate, originally getting temp jobs through the through the agency, and then got brought into the business um, as an employee, as a recruiter, and spent the next three and a half, four years as a recruiter. It was only at this point when the the, the founder of the business began uh, to get ill she felt she fallen ill and uh lauren started to step up and and start to manage in more and more of the day-to-day operations um however after in 2016 after about four years she uh the owner decided to step down and sell to a private equity firm and in that deal uh that's where lauren stepped up um was given the opportunity and stepped up to managing director now she'd only been in recruitment a few years she was a 26 year old female um who well, after listening to the story, you can tell she's uh, she doesn't get too phased by things, and she 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 went for it. But she also talks about how her fear of, of failure was huge, and you know, someone's been this, the business is twenty years old now, so fifteen, sixteen years old at the time, lots of legacy, lots of history. She really didn't want to drop the ball on this, so she's now uh, you know late twenties. She's running a recruitment business that she didn't actually found but she's now an equity partner, managing director, and came through an absolute different journey. Um, so in this show, we talked throughout the whole story, how she got into recruitment, how did she her career progress, what happened at that point when she took over, and what's happened since. So many of you, I think, will resonate with Lauren. She's an amazing person. She's got um, a really honest and, and transparent view on, on what's going on and um, some exciting plans as to how she sees the business moving forward. So I hope you get loads and loads of value from this episode. Without further ado, Lauren, welcome to the RAG podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Not a problem, not a problem. It's been, um, well, you you are season three, episode two, so uh, early on. Um, and Lauren, I've given you an intro there. I've, I've mentioned you uh, to, to our listeners, but I can never do it justice. So for the for the benefit, please tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Lauren. I'm the managing director of Grace. We're an independent business support agency in Berkshire. Um, we're a small team of five and yeah. we celebrated 20 years, 20 years last year. Um, and we work with businesses across the Thames Valley area and help to connect them with best local talent across business support functions sure so you 20 years old as a business um but you're not 20 years in the game so uh well, no. you, but you are so you're what's your role now managing director yeah yeah so what is that you literally like top of the tree managing the whole thing yeah so it's owned um by a private equity firm um part and part me so day to day there is no one above but obviously we we are sort of owned by a bigger entity all right. Okay. So, how often do you catch catch up with those guys? Um, probably casually on a weekly basis, um, and then sort of once a month. Um, probably not as much now because there's not as much to mm-hmm. catch up on. Um, 
sort of monthly or every six weeks. Yeah. So how's, uh, before we get into it, how's life in lockdown for you? Obviously, I know you anyway. We, we catch up through my academy and, and as a Hoxo customer. But um, for the listeners, like, tell us, paint the picture what life's been like in lockdown. Um, personally, absolutely fine. I can't complain. Um, yes, I'd love a house and a big garden, but I'm in a flat with a big balcony and people are much worse off. So I'm not complaining. I haven't killed my partner just yet. Um, so personally, it's fine. Um, I've been set up to work from home. Okay. Um, I've actually been far more productive than I thought I would be. Mm. So personally, not a problem at all. Um, business wise, it's obviously been an interesting. Um, yeah. Have you found, how has the Thames Valley responded? Um, quietly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we're not being around the bush. It's been a shit time yeah. um, for, for most people. Um, but you know, whilst it's not been great, there's a lot of positives to take out of it um, mm. for everyone. And I, you know, we'll, we'll never have this time again to been able to do some of the things I've done over the past three months. So I think whilst it, it's, you know, it's been less than ideal, actually it's given us time to do things sort of better ourselves when we come out. Yeah, I think, I think most businesses, if you've not used this opportunity to kind of look at your processes and clear the decks of stuff, just yeah. get shit done that you wanted to do. Like even the Hoxo Academy that you're a part of, like I've been planning that for a year, like probably two years to be honest, since, um, yeah, about two years ago when I was in this, shit office in Bow. I remember doing a video. I was walking down the street when Hisham used to work with me. We did this video on a Friday in the sun, having talked about a personal brand course. Oh, I didn't know you worked for Yeah, Hish used to work for us for about a year. And I did this video saying like, who would be interested? He was in the background, both laughing, saying who'd be interested in a personal brand course? And we got so many messages, like it went, went nuts. And that was in summer 2018. Um, and it's always been on my radar. Um, and I know Hish got, went and did something slightly different, but very in that space. And he's done really well. And then when lockdown came, I was like, it's time to just do it. Like you just, you just, you know, I've got an opportunity to take that time yeah. to do it. So um, you've got to make the most of it. Um, looking, so season three, I've talked to you about it before. And, and I've mentioned on yes, last week's episode that this season, I want to get more under the bonnet of, of the people and the humans behind the, the leaders of recruitment companies. So um, less recruitment chat, more human chat right um and one of the big one of the, the i mean when we spoke one of the things i was really interested in with you is the journey that you've been on because you i wouldn't say are the most like traditional or stereotypical recruitment owner in the journey you've had so can you cast let's go back to when when you let's tell a story before you started or became the md and what how did that all eventuate so when was it to, tell us the story from the start Okay, um, a very snapshot then of, uh, of my career. So I graduated. Oh, we're not in a rush, don't worry. You can okay. tell us. <laughs> uh, graduated in 2011. Yeah. And then I registered with Grace as a candidate. Wow. For some temp work. And the aim was to save up and then head into London, live the life with all my friends who were also packing up and living in London. Mm -hmm. um, and got a PR internship for three months in central did that hated it really? hated it Why? yeah um it may have just been the wrong company i don't know it's just i was so bitchy so catty it's everything i'm not i just i hated it um but i stuck it out i did it um and after that i just thought i'm i'm not doing that again it's just not <laughs> the environment for me at all um and then i'd already had planned a couple of months volunteering in africa so i went 
straight from the PR internship two days later, flew out to wow. Ghana to do wow. a couple of months up there. Did you have to pay to actually do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I used the money that I'd saved from Kemping as a Grace candidate to fund the flight and enough to go out there and get supplies. So I went out there for a couple of months. What was that like? Um, am- amazing. The most amazing experience ever. And if anyone gets the opportunity to do it. Well, my brother did it. it. He went from, I think, I think he went from Mozambique down to South Africa or something. I, I, I might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not the best with South African or African geography, but I know he went through a lot of countries and he, we traveled Asia back in the day together and did a lot of India and, and, and Southeast Asia, like Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, Thailand. And I felt like, you know, there's some really poor parts of the world and India is incredible. But Jake said that my brother said that Africa was another level. Like there's parts of um, like, I think he went to Kenya and stuff and places Mm -hmm. where made India look wealthy. Like there's the slums of India. What, what were you actually doing then building schools or something? Yeah. (laughs) It's usually the way, isn't it? Yeah. Basically the sort of the stereotypical volunteer. That's exactly what I was doing. Um, when you got out there, you could teach, you could do more hands-on work. Um, and sort of traditionally, a lot of the females went and did the teaching. Um, and I actually thought, I want to get my hands dirty. So I didn't do that. I went with most of the guys and did more sort of hands-on building. Um, and then we met up with some doctors and did some sort of outreach medical drops. So we sort of go off. Um, to sort of really, really remote areas and essentially deliver um, medicine. The doctors would sort of be there to actually facilitate things and we were more there as bodies to kind of guide oh, people. Yeah. Um, what were the people like? Like, how did they respond to the work that you were doing? They're probably, well, without a doubt, the most friendliest people I have ever, ever, ever come across. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. amazing. Just grateful for the help. Yeah, um, just so lovely I've always had quite an interest in African culture anyway um and then so when I went out there for me it was something that I'd wanted to do for years um but they're everyone's just so so happy um and there's some such beautiful places out there I mean we volunteered Monday to Friday and then at the weekend we were able to sort of go and visit as far as you can and come back for the Monday. So we couldn't go, we weren't able to go geographically too far. Um, but on the coast, there are just some absolutely beautiful places that you would just never, you would never think would be there. Um, yeah. They were, yeah, they were amazing. And um, yeah, coming back was awful. I how, long, how, long did you, how long did you do that for? Um, just over two, three months, two and a half months. Um, you spent yeah. all your money back in the, in the miserable British weather. I came back, I absolutely hated it for the first three weeks because it was such a shock. Although it sounds silly, I'd only been there a couple of months. So it wasn't like I was living there for years and years by any means. But it's such a different way of life. I mean, we didn't have any hot water where we were living. We had a, a tap outside with running water, but no flushing toilets, no, well, no heating, nothing like that. So you very quickly adapt to it. And then when you come back, it's just bizarre. I remember the first day I came back, I went, went to go to the bathroom and I generally went outside to pick up a bucket, which is what we would do. We'd go outside, get the bucket, fill up in the tap, go oh, and wow. the back of the toilet in with it, and then you'd go again. Yeah. And I went outside and went to the bucket and thought, okay, right, then put it down, put it down. But it was such a shock, but it was, yeah, it was the most amazing thing 
Yeah, I, I remember when I went, I went traveling in 2010, it's 10 years ago. For fuck's sake, it makes me feel so old. I didn't have the gray hair back then, unfortunately enough. Um, it was going a little bit. But 2010, me, my business partner now, Amma, and my best mate, James, we flew out on the 29th of October to Mumbai. And we went on this, like, we stayed for two years, went to, ended up in Australia. That's how I got into recruitment. But I flew out and I remember, like, I'd watched Slumdog Millionaire a few times. And uh, I mean, Amma's Punjabi background, he's not from India. Like, he grew up in, in Nuneaton in, near Coventry. Um, he'd been to India before, to the Punjab, but never to, like, the major cities and on things. So when we, I remember getting there thinking like it's going to be like Slumdog, it's going to be like the music and you've seen all these like drone footage of the slums and we flew in over the slums and I was like it's literally that and then I just remember coming out of the airport like getting literally ripped off in a taxi like getting pushed into these cabs that were well too expensive yeah. and this we had a 45 minute drive to our hotel and I, I still remember it was like the most eye-opening 45 minutes of my life like you'd see like you know cows crossing the road and families just all going to the toilet on the roadside like the whole family having a, a number two should we call it on the roadside next to each other and you're like what the fuck um you'd, you'd see a motorbike go past you'd, and there'd be like six people on the back like you know watching you like waving at you and you're just like is this real life yeah. um and then you think you come back to the uk and it's just like did that, even, but did that even happen it's yeah. like is that a dream or i always get that it's feeling when it comes. i remember coming back and for a few things one was it's a bit boring crossing the road now. There's no danger. You know, it's not, <laughs> oh my God, are we going to make it to the other side? Whereas the first few days, you think, oh my, it's a bit like in Vietnam, we had that, just constant beeps. You know, like, I'm never going to cross the road. But after a while, it becomes really exciting. And then when yeah. you get back, you think, just cross, just press the red line. You just walk across. It's just, yeah, it's not as fun. It's, uh, I was eight, when I was uh, 20, 20 years old, I went to America for three months. I coached football in, in California. Um, oh, yeah. And I went to uh, Vegas first. And I did a month in Vegas coaching there and, and I'd never heard of jaywalking I didn't know what the hell it was and I got pulled over by a copper for crossing the road in Vegas and he's like told jaywalking I was like jay who like who? you got my name wrong like <laughs> I was really shocked I was like, what the fuck are you talking about he's like I didn't realize you had to cross at lights in America I was like so you got that extreme and then you've got Africa and, and India where shit just goes on whatever they want yeah so how did what happened next um oh gosh yeah so Came back and then went back to Grace. Need a job. Still haven't moved to London. Um, and did a couple of temp jobs. And then the um, founder, so my then boss, um, popped into the little meeting room, as you do back then. And uh, she said, did I want to come and interview for a permanent job? Okay. Um, so you're working sure. through you're working through Grace, and then they offered you a job to work. work and then the director, Grace. yeah, and then the director just approached me and just said they were hiring, um, and would I be interested in interviewing for um, a consultant's role? And I had been really honest and said I was saving because I actually don't really want to stay around here. I want to go into London where my friends are. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm young. This is when I want to do it. Um, but I mean, I don't know anything about recruitment, so I'll sure I'll I'll give it a go. I want yeah. a job. I want, yeah. you know, I spent a load of money on stuff. What I did you do at uni? Um, I did hospitality management, of all things, which, no. contrary to what people think, is not how to fill a pint. No, probably not a bad. It's probably not a bad degree, though. It's probably not a bad degree for you for for recruitment. It, but it's about logistics and communication, and it's organisation. Yeah. Uh, it's got the same modules as the business course, hmm. but you've got um, mixed in with that is events, 
tourism, that sort of thing. So you have economics, business, marketing, all those sort of things, but also with more of a yeah. kind of people-based side. Sure. Um, so kind of relevant, it's people-based. Um, and so she said, right, go away, come back in two days' time, and we'll do an interview. This is what you want to prepare. So I went away, did a little research. What is a recruitment consultant? <laughs> what Classic. are the details of a recruitment consultant? I didn't know anything about it. No. Um, and then had an interview with her, um, got called back. Of course, I had a holiday. I was going to my bed with the girls. So <laughs> I said, I'll come in just before that. Um, did my interview, went straight on holiday, and she called me um, whilst I was by the pool. I remember the call because I was saying to the girls, and um, she told me uh, that I would uh, that I'd got the job. So that was an even right. better surprise on the holiday. A quick interruption of the episode to bring to you a message from our sponsor, which is Odro. Odro, as most of you probably know, is the world's most powerful all-in-one video interview platform for recruiters. Used by thousands of recruiters worldwide and with some of the industry's biggest names amongst its client base, Odro is a video interview platform. It was developed specifically to help agencies increase their revenues. The most innovative solution on the market, Odro's software helps recruiters to engage more talent, reduce time to hire, and most importantly, it helps you win business. You'll even get the ROI back from investing in Odro within just 45 days. It's designed to benefit everyone in the process, so from recruiters to clients to candidates, Odro's platform is improving the hiring process one interview at a time. We chose to partner with Odro because we felt like both brands, Hoxo and Odro, were in such a clear alignment in the way that we approach everything we do and how passionate we are about helping this industry grow. If you want to find out more about how Odro can help your agency transform its process and win more business, win exclusivity and drive revenue, then click the link on the podcast notes and every social post that goes out and they will, you will get a call back by one of the Odro guys. They're, they are awesome and I'm sure they'll be able to offer some amazing value to your business. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. So do you remember um, what, what year was that then? 2012 or 2013? Uh, yeah, August 2012 I started. Wow, that was when I, that's when I came back from traveling. I landed in London in August 2012. Ooh. Remember it well. The summer of the Olympics, what a year. Yeah, 2012. That seems like a very, very long time ago. Mm. It does. I started as a um, permanent consultant and then moved around a little bit, took on a bit of temps. Um, so how long, then, how long till you become the MD? Like what, what, how did that journey happen? That, so that happened in 2016. All right, so you're there for four years as a, as a member of staff. Mm-hmm. And how did your career progress in that four years? Um, so I started in, on the permanent side. I then did dabbled a little bit on the temp side. Um, it kind of sat over both. Um, I then became business manager. So I, I sort of continued doing my day-to-day role, but I sort of essentially looked after like the day-to-day of what was going on. Um, at the time, my boss wasn't in the office five days a week, so it was sort of overseeing things in her abs- absence, um, almost sort of her deputy at the time. Yeah. Um, and then she... Um, Went through a period of not feeling very well, was having lots of tests done, to and fro from hospitals and doctors. Um, and so my role, particularly then when she was taking more time off, was just to sort of oversee things. 
Um, so actually she was getting less and less involved in the day-to-day -day running. How did that, um, I mean, you're a couple of years into your recruitment career, you're still very young. Mm. How the hell did you deal with that? Like, did you, how did you feel when that was starting to happen? Um, I'm not someone that on the outside flaps, which is probably a good thing for this. Mm. Um, what's below the surface, I don't know, but up here, I'm <laughs> fine. A swan. Uh, like a swan. Yeah. Um, fine, because I had really good people around me. Um, I think, and I'm just someone to kind of take things in my stride quite a lot. So we'll just, you know, we'll go with the flow. We won't panic about it until, until it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it got to a point where she had messaged me one day and asked to come to hers. So I went round um, and her best friend was there, who I had met through her. And we sat down on the sofa and she told me that she had been diagnosed with a form of leukemia. Oh no. Yeah. So to be honest, the next five minutes or 10 minutes after that, I don't really remember at all. I was just oh. trying to digest what she just said. Um, I think we all just sat and cried for a bit. Um, it, I mean, I was not expecting that no. at all. Um, and then, I mean, the first thing was not about work. No, it's not, not even days it. after it was, Oh my God, are you going to be okay? Um, you know, I have, I had, and still have the most respect for this person more than anyone, um, for, you know, a, give me a shot when I had absolutely no experience. Um, but she just did so much for me and my career, obviously till now. Um, but whilst I was working with her, she was just amazing. She, um, she was a mentor. She just, I mean, when I started, I'm not ever someone who is uber confident. Um, I don't blow my own trumpet. I know what I can do, but I'm not someone that, you know, um, and she just did so much for yeah. that. Do you know what though? That, that says, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt the story too much, but I can so resonate with that. Like growing up, like, I don't think I ever, I've, I've said it before and it's not a joke. Like, I don't think growing up, I understood what business meant or was. No one had taught me anything like that. I didn't know anyone personally from a family perspective, really, that had done anything. I thought business was like a topic, like a businessman was a job. I didn't know you could like what, I didn't get it. I thought, you know, I only knew people in, honestly, I, I thought like, I, I only knew people that were in like services, like doc, they're not even doctors, like, you know doing like you know building trades and and you know teachers and things like that um and then but also it's reflective that and the people around you are so important because then going to uni you don't really have any mentors didn't really get on well with like any of my tutors or anything going into teaching was kind of it's almost like the logical thing to do for me and then I didn't have any even in, I remember when I worked in a school I love that job but I haven't got a single standout teacher mentor or anyone that I, I bought into it was just kind of a good environment yeah then I got into recruitment in Australia and there was a couple of really good people around me, but it was, it was too big a company. And then when I got to London and I joined a company called Venquist, I had like, literally had three people. I had Claire, my boss, I had Steve and Barnaby, the three owners and, and founders. And it was, they were so important on my confidence, me growing as a person. Um, and like, I still look at them now and think like, they changed my life kind of thing. And I, I get the same vibe off you because you, do, you don't even know what you're capable of, I don't think, until someone else sees it first. Yeah. as a young person so this this woman saw in you something that you you clearly didn't know was there yeah it's crazy Definitely. did you still want to go to london did you still have the london aspiration up until that point or um 
I think I wasn't really enjoying the role as soon as I started. I loved the team. I loved everything about it. I think I, I thought I wanted to be in one of these big companies. And actually, once I started, realized very quickly that that's just, that's actually not me at mm. all. Um, I mean, we're the extreme. We're five people. We are really tiny. But yeah. um, I don't actually think I'm best suited somewhere with thousands and thousands of people. Um, so a part of me did, but actually a lot of my friends were there. I was spending weekend, most weekends there. So actually it, it, I kind of had the benefit of both worlds. Yeah. I was going in and seeing people, but I was absolutely loving the team and loving my job here. So I just completely put moving to London aside and just cracked on. Grace. Yeah. So when that, yeah. when that news comes and you'll, that's going to rock everything out, what will happen next? Um, I think one of the hardest things aside from that was obviously we didn't then want to just go straight away and tell everyone, you know, obviously she was telling me in confidence. So I just had to kind of digest that and then not tell anyone. So, I mean, I am, I'm someone that I hold so many secrets. I'm, I'm kind of someone that people always just offload to, which I'm flattered by. Um, and I don't tell anyone, but there comes a certain point where actually that's... you need to talk to someone as well. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, you know, that was completely private. I told no one. So I was trying to carry on my day-to-day role whilst having this in the back of my head. And then there came a point, I can't, can't remember back how long after that, where she and I sat down and she said that, you know, I've thought about this long and hard. Um, you know, her, you know, she didn't have the energy that she had before. I mean, she was the most sociable person ever. Um, always busy, always had plans. Um, and actually she just didn't have the energy for that um wasn't coming into work as much and you know she sat me down and just said look i've made the tough decision after all these years i'm i'm gonna have to sell grace um which i just didn't really know how to take that because i wasn't quite sure on the outcome it kind of i wasn't quite sure what was going to happen next what i did feel was just awful for her because that was her baby you know she would set it up um at home she'd set it up from absolutely nothing um and i can't imagine how much hard work there is to do that so i so sat down we talked through you know the options what she was going to do and she'd said you know there's two options one was to sell it to um a big high street agency and the other would be to a PE company and really the way to keep race as it was and it still is and to keep its brand keep everything it's about would be to sell it to the beer company otherwise taken over by a big high street i mean they do what they do amazingly yeah they would just assume they would have consumed it yeah Yeah, consumed it got rid of anything any sort of shared functions um and what grace is sort of known for that would just be gone and She's spent however long building that reputation in the area um, and had had clients. What's the name, Grace? Do you know where the story behind the name Grace? I wish there was a story. There's actually no story. It just like the name. Yeah, there's, there was no story um, at all. None. <laughs> just you just like the name. She liked um, the name. Well, it was your, it's been your saving grace, do not it? It feels like it was your saving yeah. grace right through. Yeah, yeah. it was. So we sold it. Um, and that's when, so 2016. Um, and that's when I took over of the day-to-day earnings. So when she said it was going to sell to a PE firm, did she then start 
like prepping you for the fact that you were going to be the leader of the business? Yeah, I feel like it happened really fast. Um, I think I had about a week handover, <laughs> two week handover, which sounds crazy, but at that point, I was dealing more with the day to day anyway because she was taking some time off and yeah, she, yeah. you know she wasn't in five days a week. So actually, it was it was almost like we had been handing over for some time. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't really involved in the day to day as much. So it wasn't it wasn't like suddenly. It, it was five days and then got on and I hadn't done any of this before. Um, obviously, I'd never managed people before. I'd been working here for three and a half years. Yeah. Um, I'd never managed a business. I had no idea about how businesses run, um, accounts, basically anything at all. Yeah. Um, and I think the first thing that went through my head when she said, you know, this is the route I want to go down, but the, the sort of, you know, the clause is you become... MD. Um, they need to have someone who's been there, part of the existing team, um, to, to sort of manage it. And that is, you know, you're the person that would be that would be doing that. Um, uh, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> How old are you at this point? Like 26, oh, isn't it? Um, 26, 27? Yes, you, you're a baby, really, aren't you? Yeah. Like to, to be taking over a company. Yeah. How, many thing, how many employees? Was it five um, then? At the time, I think there were seven. Right. So still, still really small. Um, but at the time, I was the newest. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I was the newest, the youngest. Um, yeah, and the first thing I think I said was, are you sure I'm qualified to do this? Are you are you sure you want to? Are you sure you want to keep your business? Um, I mean, I'm. I was so speechless. I was so flattered at thought that she would even consider handing her baby over to me. Mm. Um, and still, am so grateful. I mean, when do you ever get the chance? Ever. I remember she said, "Go and have a think about it." You know, obviously, this is a huge decision, and it, it obviously was the biggest decision ever. And I remember calling my dad. Um, one because he's my dad, but two, he comes from a legal background. He's an ex-solicitor. Right. Um, and so very logical, very calming, you know, doesn't yeah. flap. People just be very, right, let's just go through things. Let's go through the options. And he didn't go through any options with me. He just said, Loz, what's the worst, what's the worst that can happen? No. You know, when are you ever, ever going to get this chance again? No. You're not, is the answer. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, 
if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. Did you have any, did you have to buy in or was there any deal that you had to, you had to put money in and get equity yeah. and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a decision, isn't it? You obviously got a, you got to part with some money rather than just be an employee. Yeah. Um, but sounds like an amazing opportunity. So well, you jumped straight into the defense. How did the other, what, the one thing that's going through my head right now, listening to this is how did the other like six, seven people take it when you're the newest, you're the youngest and she's asked you, like, I imagine that would piss people off. Like, it can't have gone down amazing with everyone. I would say mixed. I think it, no one, I don't think it was a case, no one thought, oh, that would have been me. Mm. Um, and that's not at all because I'm great. Absolutely not. It was more a case of who, okay, who could it be? Who's at what stage in their life? Um, I think is probably quite a key thing. Um, you know, who would want to take this responsibility on? Yeah. Um, and I think those are probably the, ma- the main things. Who would want this mammoth task? Who could take this on and who potentially could, you know, keep this brand going? And also who has been doing as, you know, as much of that sort of role as possible. And yeah. I'd already had, you know, the permanent side, the temp side, um, I stepped up and got a bit more involved in other bits. So I had quite a good sort of all round experience, albeit not managing director, but I, you know, I had, I would say of everyone for her, it was probably a bit more obvious. Mm. Um, obviously I, for me, that sitting down with everyone for her to tell everyone the news, a of what was happening with her and then also what was going to be happening to the business. I remember sitting there sweating, just thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm someone that always cares what people think because you shouldn't always, but I, I do, you know, with the team. I did um, massively. And, you know, I, the last thing I wanted was people upset or, um, you know, angry, annoyed, really resentful that, you know, that was just, that was my fear. I remember the night before, I absolutely, I think I slept about a minute. I was just so anxious about how the news was going to go down. Um, because all I wanted was the grace to continue as grace and for it to be a success. So, you know, I wasn't trying to come in and sort of, you know, take over people's jobs and sort of start telling people what to do because everyone knew what they were doing, which was, the great thing about it you know this office ran itself everyone knew what they were doing um it's managed dream really 
Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that wasn't my intention. Um, so I think, I think it went down probably mixed opinions. Um, I think if I'm honest, a lot of it was probably just shock and real sadness that she wasn't going to be there because everyone felt like that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what did she keep some, some stake to as a chairwoman or anything? No, just complete exit. No, no. I think, um, I think for her, it was, it's a bit like a breakup, isn't it? You yeah. know, break out with someone that you kind of keep texting them on the side. Shouldn't do it. No. Um, it's, <laughs> shouldn't do it. Yeah, um, it it's easier just to do, you know, or if you're quitting smoking, just cold turkey. I think that is the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I keep in contact with her. Um, so she's okay health-wise or? Yeah. So it, she's going to have to have lifelong treatment, but it can be controlled. Well, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. Has she got, um, some, has she got a good quality of life now? Or? She has got a different, very different life because, as I said, she was super sociable, out all the time. Um, and, you know, what you have to do with this is just manage manage limitations and manage your life around this Mm -hmm. so you know it it does make you tired it does weaken your immune system um it does mean you have to have a slightly different diet um you know you're just very very tired um so you can't be out all the time so but i think it was the best decision she ever made for her and so i'm that that for me is the best decision as long as she is okay um well, I think it's incredible that you, you know, you took that on and you, at that age, I don't think there's many people that would, would do that. And it would, some people would just panic and be like, look, I can't do this. And I'm too young and I've got, you know, why there's so much rest. Cause you, the biggest fear is you fuck it up and it's her, her baby. I still think that sometimes. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> wow. um, so how has the net, how has the four years gone? Let's talk about that. What, what's been, what's it been like? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been the most amazing learning experience, mm. for sure, and the steepest, and I'll never get that again. So for that, I am truly, truly grateful. Um, I think she's the still first... there if you want to call and ask a question. Does she still answer? Yeah, I still speak to her. Um, I'm seeing seeing her in a few weeks, actually. Um, so we keep in contact. We try not to talk too much about work because actually, it's just quite nice to catch up generally. But yeah. I truly care for her, and vice versa. So we catch up and when we're allowed to go out, obviously be really careful now, but before we'd meet up and have every sort of month or two um, and just catch up and see how things are, um, see how our family are doing. Um, So, and she's someone, you know, she was always someone that, a bit how I am with mine, you know, I want to know everything that's going on in their life. And, you know, when I started Grace, um, single and had been single for most of my time at Grace and she was always oh what dates are you going on come on yeah you know really wanted to get involved yeah. um, and every time we'd go on a date she'd come back on the Monday and say oh come on let's go and have a quick catch up you know what, what's going on um, and that is no more and I have a partner yeah. and I remember this was um, after she'd left and I, I remember I called her so I knew that she would just love that news she always said oh, I just, I just like you um, and 
so she said, right, we've got to get a date in the diary. I want to meet, I need to meet the man. I need to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> said, you were a bit crazy when you started. I need to meet the man who yeah. aimed you. Said, okay, fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we still keep in contact loads. Um, How's I the business? How's the business been since you've been at the helm then? What, what's um, the journey first, been? The first, the first kind of bit, a lot of it was, because obviously it's not something that I had set up, so you, it's not been set up in a way that necessarily you would. Yeah. So it's completely different. So whilst you're given this, it's not quite a blank canvas because you're looking at, okay, what have we got? How do we want to move forward? Um, so I think the first part, a lot of it was a lot of sort of streamlining, um, trying to make things a little bit more efficient, um, getting us, kind of getting the name out there a little bit in a non-old school way. So, you know, actually getting some social media, um, just bringing it a little bit into the 21st century. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the first big chunk of it was probably that. Um, and then we've got a slightly new team now than we did back then mm-hmm. um but a great a great great team um and that is something i mean it was it was a great team before it's just a, it's just a different team now um but they're bloody great they really are um and that is what's going to help us steer this next bit well, every time i've spoke to you i've got a vibe like you love it. And, and I didn't know the story. Like obviously we worked, we worked together for a while and I didn't know, I didn't know it wasn't at first. I just thought it was your business. Right. So you definitely give off that vibe. Like it's your that business. Good thing. <laughs> yeah. It is a great thing. You're not sat there, you know, you don't, <laughs> you've, you've took on the mantle and you've, you've, you've took it as your baby now and it's, it is your business. And that that's brilliant. I think one of the things this story i hopefully will do is it will show people listening, even recruiters listening that, you don't always have to start the agency yourself to be the agency owner. Like you don't, some people, you know, they look at this entrepreneurial life and they think they've got to leave where they are to get that. And, you know, wouldn't even be a bad conversation to say to your boss, what's your plan? Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm up for taking this over. If someone says to me in a few years, like one of the team, like, I want to be the ND CEO of Hoxo. And you know, how do I become that? Fucking hell. What an amazing conversation that Great. is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I'll be honest, I didn't want that from my old company. Like there's a guy who joined uh, about six months before I left, who was amazing guy. Um, and he wanted that. He wanted to be the, the owner, that the, the, the CEO, the MD of, of the recruitment company. I, I didn't want that personally. I, I was excited by the startup story. Um, didn't realize what the fuck I was getting into, but uh, <laughs> we got through it. <laughs> well, we're getting into it. We're still only three and a half years in, but um yeah, I think it's really amazing that, you know, there's a completely different way of going about it. Um, so my final final piece, Lauren, is where where's the future heading? Where do you want to be once COVID's over and if it's ever over? Where, where, where do you see your future? Who knows? Who What's knows? the future for you in the business? I mean, the, imme- the immediate thing for me, because we've had to very quickly from the get-go when lockdown hit, furlough most of the team. Mm. So... Um, the main thing for me right now is getting, getting my team back. Yeah. Um, getting them all back and making sure that they are all back full time, happy, working. Um, I think for us, what I want to do is, you know, we've always been very transactional and I think a lot of agencies are, um, particularly as the sort of sector that we, that we work in. But I think it's really about, 
really trying to explore how we're going to add more value to our, our clients, um, which perhaps hasn't really been, we've obviously tried to deliver a, you know, an amazing service, um, but actually how are we going to add, how are we going to add value? Um, so one thing that we're going to be looking at is whilst we are doing that with clients now, perhaps we don't add anything other than that to our candidates. Mm -hmm. So actually having a designated side of the business that nurtures them. So looking at the journey, I know from our reviews, I know from experience, the service that we give is, is fantastic. It can always be improved. But actually, I, per I personally, gonna... sorry, I, I personally think, I, I personally think that like recruitment, I mean, I was a 360 guy. I, I know why it works. Um, profitability i get it all but i do think we're moving into a sector that's more if you take like the apple store as an example i'm reading steve jobs's biography at the moment it's amazing yeah, yeah. the the way that apple stores are built like you walk in you see someone they say hello they've got a clip they've got the little ipad they ask you where you want to go they move you away they're not allowed to walk with you to that they're not allowed right they have got to stay in their zone and if you I, I remember when I bought my iWatch, I was like, can I get a look at the iWatch? They were like, yeah, but I can't do it. You have to wait for that guy. And he's was, I was like, what? Everyone has, everyone plays yeah. this a, it's, a, it's, a fact, it's a proper factory, like one, two, three, four. And it, and it works like clockwork. Yeah. And, and every single part of that, part of that process is, is meticulously planned and it's so well designed. And why can't you build a recruitment agency where the candidates get an unbelievable experience? Because people, that's their, their whole job. And clients, again, they get customer success managers and they get, they get absolute golden treatment because they're not, the people are focused on it. They're accountable for it. Um, so is that, that's, that's exactly what we're looking yeah. to do um, quite quickly, actually, when we bring people back. And so I've been trying to sort of rejig skill sets mm. um, and actually having someone come back who is solely designated to the candidates, um, not just providing them a good service, they get that from us. That's something that is, that is something that we, we live and breathe, but actually offering something else. So looking at more coaching for them, you know, yes, recruiters look at people's CVs and give them some advice, but they, they don't, not, not all of them necessarily have that as an actual service, you know, give a, a quick glance over an advice, but so this is going to be a separate section that will, that will truly add something different to the candidate side of things, which would be really good. Mm. And actually we are slightly different in our approach. We are far more collaborative than, than some. So whilst, you know, traditionally you have your desk, you work on your roles and your candidates, we, we don't work like that. So when we have a role, you have your consultant is technically everyone at Grace. Yeah. So everyone works on that together. And the sole purpose is that, it's you know it's grace rather than i'm going to do everything i can to make sure it's my candidate and sort of you know yeah. sort of, sometimes it encourages really bad behavior bad behavior traits to do that because it's it's more about who you know who wins than actually the overall company yeah so that for me is it's, good it's, it's that, good yeah it's that balance isn't it between you know driving internal competition wanting people to be big billers and and what have you but also remembering that the, the 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 overarching aim is for the candidates to get the job and the clients to to, to be to fill the role so it's it's going to be a tr that is a big challenge across the sector but um lauren i've i've loved your story i've loved hearing it in detail i didn't know half of this stuff so i'm i'm really okay. pleased thank you for taking the time <laughs> You're um welcome. if 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 anyone wanted to reach out to you 
if it's a consultant in the market, it just was like, you know what, your story resonates. Are you open to a chat with anyone? That, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you can um, drop me an email. Um, I'll tag you yeah. on LinkedIn. I think that if you use LinkedIn yeah, a lot, yeah. yeah, I do. Yes, more and more. You do. Like I'm me. helping. I'm helping you. <laughs> um, so, guys, uh, get on Lauren's LinkedIn. I'm tagged her in this post. Reach out if you want to have a chat. Um, if you're a client, if you're a recruitment owner and you want to bounce any ideas off, if you're a consultant and you, you know, you want to ideally be in the same position that, that Lauren's been, then look, take that time. Um, Lauren, let's get you back on in, in the future and see how, how Grace turns out. All right. Definitely. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. No problem. Guys, hope you've enjoyed the start of this season. It is a bit different. It's going to be, uh, every episode's going to have a slightly different vibe, but, um, my aim is to, again, bring this industry together. I want, I want us to learn from each other. I just want, let's, let's unearth these wonderful stories like Lauren's and share to support and together we'll grow. Together we'll be stronger. We're, we're the, the sector will, will survive. Um, I'll be back again next Wednesday with another story. In the meantime, you stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.